So where are you from and how did you grow up? So from uh, Long Island. I was yep. born in Seacliff, Long Island, which is a little Victorian kind of hippie town on the North Shore of Long Island. Born on the same street as my wife, Dayton Street. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, and so for, for the first three years we were together on the same street. Her, her uh, she, I'm a year older, so her mom used to babysit me when I used to eat Cheerios off the floor while she was pregnant with her, which is a pretty funny story. And then I moved to Roslyn Harbor, which was a mile away. Um, and then we went to nursery school together, uh, ended up at the, in the North Shore School Districts. My mom was the art teacher at Glenwood Landing School um, and uh, went to North Shore High School. We were, you know, prom, prom dates, uh, senior year, and then dated for a bit in college and then, uh, you know, reunited after college some, some years later. But Long Island um, ended up... What, what set that in yeah, like socio socioeconomic context? Is that like a really rich part of Long Island or middle class? No, we were what? middle class, very much middle class. My uh, my dad worked in the city. Uh, he was in, um, he, he worked for Levi and Christian Dior in sales. And uh, my mom was a, an art teacher, as I said. So I actually went, she, she was my art teacher, K through six. Um, so, wow. Yeah, so that was, so it pretty was a very normal, very, normal very middle class, you know, three sport athlete, you know, uh, lacrosse, winter track, football, um, very kind of, even though it's Long Island and close to the city, it's kind of very Americana. Yeah. Oh, it you is. You know, too. surprisingly. So then you go to Yale for lacrosse. I did. I did. Well, I went to Yale for the academics, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we, like to, we like to keep that, uh, you know, yes, but lacrosse was a big part of me being admitted. Absolutely. What did you think of it? Was it a different world from the one you were from? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, it's it's a long time ago to reflect back, but it was certainly uh, there was a, there was a big culture shock, both academically and socially, immediately, like first weekend of school. So, in what way? Just uh, you know, it was it, I, I I got to school and I, you know, there were I don't you know without naming names, there was I was you know at the first weekend of school I wasn't in New Haven, but out in the the Cape with you know. Folks that the you know highways in New York were named after, and you know yeah. large condiments and tires and stuff like that. <laughs> large <laughs> so, condiments. Okay. So it was it was definitely it was it was a it was a big culture shock, but I you know adapted pretty quickly from a academic standpoint. The academic rigor was certainly from a public high school in Long Island relative to Taft or you yeah. know, Exeter or Andover. There was a quick learning curve, but but it was attainable. And then socially, I think I did a, a fine job as well too. So ended up, yeah, ended up at Yale, um, went through four years. We had a, you know, successful uh, lacrosse career there, which was, which was, you know, an absolutely incredible experience and kept you in line, kept you in shape, yeah. um, less distracted from everything um, and graduated. I ended up, you know, my, a, a quick stint into the, into your world, ended up uh, working on the Olympics for NBC for Bob Costas um, down at the, well, the, the, cool. yeah, in 96 in Atlanta. Uh, and then went on to take a job at Citibank. So that's where I got my first Asia experience. I was fascinated with Vietnam uh, um, and had studied some you know, contemporary American history in, in college. My dad was a veteran. Um, he was a Marine, served in combat at the, on the High Van Pass. In Vietnam? In Vietnam. So he was in Vietnam when he was 23. I you know, I'd gone on a trip around the world and really just you know, one of the stops was Vietnam. Um, one of my, one of my, had he told you about it when you were growing up? 
he he did. We more we kind of we were a little bit irreverent and would tease him about it and get get dressed up as fatigues and you know tell him we're knee deep in in rice patties and trying to like yeah, listen exactly. a flashback to, or exactly. something. Trying to listen PTSD maybe. Yeah, we were a little we were a little wild. <laughs> me and my me and my uh, three brothers and sisters. So they, we we he didn't talk about it much, but we tried to bring it up a lot. <laughs> it was kind of that's pretty. Funny. Yeah, it was. It was it so was you fun. wound up working for Citibank. I, in I went up. Yeah, I went up getting a, a job with Citibank in Vietnam. I kind of orchestrated it through an uncle that had a relationship with Citibank. And yeah, ended up getting a management associate job there. Uh, moved to, they just opened, Doi Moi was, uh, was kind of underway, which was the, you know, the, not necessarily privatization, but the opening of Vietnam post uh, the, com- the, the war, the conflict, the yeah. American, the war of American aggression. Yeah. As they, as they <laughs> been, uh, you know, coached to say, as if you live in Vietnam for, for some time. So went there, was a management associate, was in Hanoi for a year, and then a couple of years in Ho Chi Minh City, um, and ended up at Citicorp Asia Capital Limited, um, where I was in private equity. So wow, that was the yeah, that was the beginning. Where'd you go after Vietnam? After Vietnam, I uh, I was I actually it was there was a nonprofit that had come through to produce a film about Vietnam, which involved a bike ride um, on you know on mountain bikes um, from Hanoi to Ho Chi Minh City. It was Long an way. eighteen day yeah eighteen day ride, you know uh, uh, twelve hundred miles. And we had a you know production team actually video it. City, they asked me at Citibank to sponsor it, so I wrote a, a like a letter to New York and said, "Can we sponsor this amazing event? We've got a hundred, uh, you know, NVA disabled soldiers, and we've got a hundred American veterans, primarily disabled. And we got on bicycles and hand cycles. I piloted a you know a blind veteran that had been shot uh, near Quezon, um, and spent eighteen days on a bike going over those memories. And then, actually, this is how I left Citibank. I got a call. So this is an amazing experience, yada yada. But any, but we we um, I, I'm sitting at my desk at Citibank in Ho Chi Minh City, or I don't know, I forget where what city, what office I was in. Got a call and said, you know, we had such a great time with you riding on the bike. Would you come back and produce, you know, be a co-executive producer on this film? And you spent, and you could get a job. One one of the the you know the benefactors of the charity was a Goldman guy. One was at um, uh, Equitable Financial at the time. And they're both the CEOs or senior partners, and they're like, "We'll give you a job. You you have the training at City. Just produce the movie for us." And so I went back, and we ended up, you know, selling. I, I worked very closely with a with a with a great colleague um, down in Charlotte. We sold the the um, we sold the film to NBC title sponsor. We sold it to Reebok as a title sponsor. Got Dick Enberg to do the intro. Got Bruce Springsteen to donate a song. Um, wow. Yeah, shut out the light, and uh, it was it was it was a great success. We we won the Emmy in '99, so daytime outstanding program achievement. So one for one, <laughs> television production. <laughs> so you're time. an Emmy award winner. <laughs> I am. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> so what did you do after that? Uh, so after that, I ended up going the 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 one um, kind of principal at Equitable Financial had had moved over to New England Financial. Um, so we'd taken a new job as the chairman and CEO of New England Financial. I went into the special, you know, strategic, uh, it was a strategic management group um, and did a little bit of, it was primarily like almost like, a, like an in-house management consultant in finance, like across the business. They put me on a lot of different special projects and uh, it, that was, you know, that, that, was, that was my job for the next couple of years. And then we were actually bought by MetLife. Um, and so when New England Financial was bought by MetLife, I went down to New York very quickly in that acquisition, but my boss, who was the CEO and chairman became the president of individual life at MetLife, a much bigger organization. So it wasn't 
as interesting an opportunity. So I went out and started a technology company um, with one of the consultants I'd worked with uh, previously, one of the management consultants, I think it was at Arthur Anderson. Um, and uh, we started a tech company and sold that in 2004 uh, to Coactive Marketing Group, which was a NASDAQ listed company. Um, and then from there, so, so that was kind of an exit while I was working very closely on the Carry for President campaign. So I was a volunteer. Um, I was essentially raising capital, organized some different, you know, uh, kind of, um, I guess, surrogate tours and bus tours with some celebrities, stuff that's since backfired. But, <laughs> but, but you know, that campaign, in, in 04, it seemed to work. Um, and basically was, was poised through kind of the success that I had in, in, um, in the fundraising that I was going to go and take a job in the White House. So I thought I was, uh, you know, going to work in small business or there was some other, you know, there were all the, the, the larger kind of uh, bundlers. I was a baby bundler. I think I was identified as in some, some in the New York Post at some point. But, um, but, you know, I ended up, you know, looking at those jobs and looking at, you know, what we'd have to do and security clearance and all that. Long story short, I'd sold, uh, Sitara was the name of the company that sold. Um, and you know, poised to do that, we, were, we thought we were going to win. And then, you know, what was it, November 3rd, 2004, I basically um, hung a shingle and said, I need a job because we lost. So, yeah, so, well, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Was, the part where you lost. Was, yeah. the part, so I was in Boston. I think I was crying. <laughs> I was with my wife. Uh, yeah, we were, I remember we were in the hotel, like looking out at the state, the acceptance stage, which like there was a couple of, you know, straight, you know, people strutting, running, walking around the stage and drunk. Yeah, exactly. People, yeah. Unexploded fireworks. And uh, yeah, so that was that was an unsuccessful run. But I spent a lot of time and put a put a big effort into it. Um, and it was a great experience. You know, we got we thought we were doing a great thing. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's hard to beat an incumbent incumbent. So. So 2004, November, you're, without, go you're married, no job. Yep, we're without a job, and I team up with a partner, and we start Rosemont. Um, we start Rosemont Capital. And Rosemont Capital starts really as in the private equity world which it, in, in something called a fundless sponsor. So when you're, when you're out and in private equity early, you go out as a fundless sponsor. And what that means is you don't have a pool of capital to kind of draw on, but you look for an asset. You identify an asset you think is going to be a good, you know, a good private asset that you can either take public or... Uh, sell to another strategic buyer. So that's always kind of like the infancy of a private equity firm. And a lot of fundless sponsors succeed. A lot of fundless sponsors fall by the wayside. And you know, a lot of, a lot of managers at fundless sponsors just give up. But if you have some early successes, you can end up you know, establishing a firm. And we ended up establishing a, you know, a multi-asset class boutique firm that, that was, uh, you know, was fairly successful. Most of our success was, was in real estate. Um, we ended up buying a real estate management company, and that was called Rosemont Real. We renamed it Rosemont Realty. It was called, you know, BGK or some acronym. And we ended up putting the Rosemont brand on that after, I would say, five years in business at at Rosemont Capital. Um, and that business was was sold later in 2015. But at, at the, you know, at our peak, we probably had three billion of of assets under management, which is kind of like your scorecard yeah. as a private equity manager. Um, and, uh, you know, had, had, had you know, we'd, we'd done some great things. Was Hunter Biden an original partner at Rosemont? No, no, no. Hunter Biden, I, uh, came, I, I met really, or had, I had met him before, but had like substantive conversations at a lunch I met in 08, 09. So, oh, so you were already it was five years, yeah. established Absolutely. with the business yep. by then. Yes. That business was, was quite established. We had raised, we were, we were in the. 
you know, Rosemont Seneca Partners came along really at the time that we bought Rosemont Realty, so around 2010. I don't know the exact, you know, the exact dates right now. It's, it's a while ago. Um, but Rosemont, we had, we had, a, we had a initial fundless sponsor deals, so two or three, four deals that we did independently and, and worked those deals. Then we'd raised a fund, so you know uh, we had a 2007 vintage fund, which is the year that you started. It's very clever. Um, so that was, we had a 2007 vintage co-investment fund, um, and then um, we we actually raised out of the financial crisis. We raised the TALF debt fund, um, so reinvesting in in uh, asset-backed securities, and then we um, kind of we did some other. We had some other sub funds in technology. Um, but ultimately, like kind of the big successful piece of Rosemont ended up being Rosemont Realty, which was this acquisition of BGK. So how does so it sounds like you've got a perfectly self-sustaining business, three billion under management. That's success, I think. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was. It was a, so how does Hunter Biden get involved, and why? <clears throat> so we had, you know, we had this, um, we had we had this lunch, uh, and a, a mutual friend, or it wasn't even, I don't know how it was, but an attorney of, of Hunter's, another attorney, Hunter's an attorney as well, um, had introduced us, and we had a lunch, and we always, you know, you're always looking for kind of an edge or an advantage as being a boutique, and and certainly three billion was good, but. As, as an AUM number or scorecard, but in real estate, it's kind of a levered number. So totally. it's a, it's a it's little exactly exaggerated. Right. If you're, you know, if you're Blackstone four and you have 3 billion, you have 3 billion of dry powder. If you have a, you know, private, small private equity fund with, you know, 3 billion under management, a lot of it's real estate, it's actually not the actual number you have in dry powder. So nuance, but it's, but it's just, very you know, liquid. It, exactly. It's very liquid and you don't have the, the buying power. So you're always looking for an edge, you're always looking to expand. Um, and we had obviously, you know, had, had, we, we were demystified to Washington just through relationships. Um, and Hunter was in a, he was in a, a stage where he was transitioning from lobbying to strategic advisory. Um, what's the difference? Well, as I understand it, when <laughs> you can probably answer it better than me, given your background. <laughs> There's a distinction, but no difference that I can see. Right, exactly. So one you register for, the other you don't. Right, right. And I think that there are some legal, you know, uh, limits around re- registering when your father's the vice president. So I think that was what they ran into. But you can. And you don't, there's certain, again, I'm not an expert on it. I know that that was the- I think in Washington, you can't lobby, but you can strategically advise. Right, exactly. There you go, strategically advise, right? It's, uh-huh. it's a good, good So what was the business that you imagined him helping you with? Um, you know, the, the, the core business, what, what we really hoped for was raise introductions to capital, to raise more capital, right, yeah. and deal flow. So the things that, that make a, a private equity fund successful, whether it's in real estate or asset-backed securities or, you know, just going out and looking for operating assets, it's, it's you know, finding unique deals um, and then finding the capital to actually invest yeah. in those deals and make them worth more money, right? Exactly. That's the, but you got to have the dough. Right, you got to have the dough. So I think yeah. the, the in the back of our minds, the... The initial strategic was okay. We can expand our network exponentially. Hunter and his strategic team know, you know, tons of folks, and it's a whole new world of, you know, of, of high net worth individuals, family offices, you know, institutional pension funds, which was a huge one that we thought that we could crack that never materialized. Um, and yes, and so the, so that was that was the the genesis. But the on on paper, what you know, what what 
we looked at was like, okay, why are you kind of teaming up this? And what, there was no investment in it. It was a, you know, Rosemont Seneca Partners was kind of a, a dovetail concept. It's not like we've, we didn't fund it, nor did they fund it. We just said they had their strategic advisory business. We had our private equity business. Let's combine forces, expand our network, and maybe get some help. Or maybe when we talk to a strategic asset that's, uh, you know, selling what I, we, had, we had a company that sold body armor, for instance. Maybe we could get a military contract because someone in D.C. knew the Pentagon people. I mean, it's just simple kind of connecting the dots. It is. But if I can just and this is not a yeah. criticism of you because I, did, I lived there. Yeah. I didn't see this either. But if you're looking for money, Washington logically would be the last place you would go. Right. I mean, you go to New York or maybe Los Angeles or maybe Dubai or Milan or places where people do business. Washington is not about business, it's about governance. Right. It's kind of weird, isn't it? And maybe a sign of deeper corruption mm-hmm. that Washington is like the place you go to raise money. Yeah, I, well, I think, you know, where we were in this, the, you know, in kind of the, you know, in the in the in the world of private equity, we're a very small private equity firm right. at the end of the day. So the network that you're going to is more family office, high net worth right. individuals, and then maybe you get a breakthrough with a pension fund. So I think the fundraising elements of of linking up with 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 Seneca Partners was really that. But we we took advantage of all you know the kind of strategic advisory work and the network that they had to to promote to the assets to promote to the other, you know, to people that we're raising money from. Say, oh, listen, we have a DC office. We know how to operate. But this can, is gonna but give can us I just advantage. ask, this is not related to you. Yeah. You were not able to get pension money, right? No, no. But do you believe having operated in this world, pension funds are some of the biggest investors in Absolutely. the world? Absolutely, they are of the course. institutional investors. Exactly. Yeah. Do you think that political leverage allows people to get investments from pension funds? I mean, in, clearly it in does. In the world? In the world, Yes, yeah, yeah I, I, absolutely. Unfortunately, we were not able but, but, No, yeah. you, but you weren't able to, but like the <laughs> yes. idea that a pension fund would make an investment decision based on political calculations is like the definition of corruption, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think that, they, I think there's an entire world and business that's been focused on trying to create those lines of demarcation. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest, I mean, all the, the pension managers, I mean, it's a whole world to... So it's a bigger discussion, but yes, obviously that's there's a, there that would be the ultimate form of corruption. So just to sum up, what I think we're hearing sure. so far is that you're on a pretty conventional business track. Correct. You're working for a big bank at first, and then you decide to move into this burgeoning private equity world, right? Which really was exploding at the time. Um, and then at some point, having gotten the business off the ground and it's succeeding, you're like you look to Washington for opportunities there, right? and you run to Hunter Biden or set up with Hunter Biden. Right, I'm set up with Hunter Biden. And again, you know, it, at that time, it seemed like, uh, you know, it was, hindsight's 2020, but it seemed, like a, it seemed like an opportunity to just broaden our network, broaden our, um, you know, competitive advantage on the deal side by having this, you know, access or regulatory understanding of DC is how we properly say it. And maybe expanding our, you know, and getting lucky with a pension fund introduction. Yes. Or, Another, you know, large family, you know, uh, maybe there's a political donor that's a billion dollar family office on the West Coast that Hunter has a relationship with. So I thought that that would be, that was, that was, that was enough reason to kind of not invest in a new company, but just, you know, flirt with a joint venture at the end of right. the day. So, um, and you're in your early 30s at this point. Yeah, trying to early make 30s. your way. Um, you wind up, though, with this deal most famously with Burisma. Burisma. Yep. Yes. How did that come about? So the Burisma deal came about 
initially uh, the CEO, Zolshevsky, and uh, Vadim, I'm going to abuse the name. I have it here. You, I've got it. it right here. Why do you say it first? And then it'll <laughs> I can't. I got to put my glasses oh, on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Vadim and Nikolai come through. They're working with a. They're or they're in the network again. You're always expanding your network in in, um, in raising capital and private equity and work with this group, Tri Global Group, which um, famously also also worked with uh, Mayor Giuliani, which was yes. another one of their clients, which we found out later. But it was kind of interesting. They had had on their fundraising list had uh, Nikolai and Vadim, who were the the CEO and the, the CEO owner and. Corporate Secretary Barisma, and they'd come through New York. Pazharsky. Yeah, there we go. We'll just use Vadim, I think. Vadim. <laughs> um, so, so they come through New York. I was actually on a business trip in Asia, um, and they're taken through, and and you know the Tri Global Group says we're working on, you know, these things. One of the funds that we're marketing is Rosemont Real Estate Acquisition Fund One, Reef, um, and they show it to them, and that's probably, you know, I'll, I'll probably get the dates wrong, but that's. Maybe in the in the early you know the 2012 range. Okay, so that's the first context. We've got an we've got a placement agent working on Rosemont Real. They're 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 on commission business with Rosemont Real Estate Acquisition Fund. They meet Vadim and Barisma. I don't know if they had known each other before, but there are these there's this you know a mini Gark as we call it, yeah. <laughs> and then a mini Gark and uh, and Vadim who's the corporate secretary. They come through. They pitch you know they give them the deck. I don't know if they spent any time on it. The deck being the marketing yeah. presentation yes. for Reef, um, and you know nothing happens. They don't come in as an investor, but but they Tri Global was successful in identifying some investors for us, not uh, Barisma. Um, cut to 2014, and we are. I'm, I'm in the, the midst of a trip to Europe, and uh, we're doing a strategic deal with a large bank there. And I get there, you know, late February, early March, and it happens to be the day that that uh, that Putin um, invaded Crimea, a peaceful invasion of Crimea, as they say. And so our deal falls through because there's all these. These, you know, basically, it's like this huge paradigm shift. Obviously, after Maidan, yes, and um, you know, it, it, everything changed in Europe, and it became this, you know, this. There's this new inflection point of, of of Ukraine, and that really started there on those days. So, needless to say, our strategic deal with bank falls through for Rosemont Real, Real Estate Acquisition Fund. So we're we're quickly pivoting because in this in this at the same time we're raising for Rosemont Real Estate Acquisition Fund two. So I happen to be um, I happen to be at a meeting and and Tri-Global says, well, well, you can do. You, are you still trying to raise capital? So would you like to meet with with uh, with Nikolai Zolshevsky um, to pitch your wares? I bring the deck to him. Um, we go through the you know we go through the presentation and he says, you know, interestingly enough, he knows you know obviously he's calculating. He had made some moves earlier, which I'll tell you about. Um, you know, thinking about Ukraine and the former position that he had. So we pitch him the deck. He, he kind of looks through it and. You know, I remembered he had some like crazy watch with like a, you know, it was like a Ulysses Nardone with a, like an oil like uh, thing that was ticking. Like the second hand was like a, like one of those oil wells like, crack, crack, cranking like this. Little I, little I know it was a natural gas rig, um, but so it was hard to decipher. Anyway, it was quite a quite an impression. Um, and I, yeah, so I so they he again you know for the second time kind of ignored the real estate pitch. And mentioned in the meeting, he didn't agree. He was very polite, um, but he was obviously not interested in that. Um, but you know, mentioned he said, you know, I have President uh, Kwasniewski uh, of Poland has has joined my board a couple months ago, 
And do you mind if he gives you a call? That was kind of like our departure. And I said, yeah, wonderful. You know, please uh, follow up and you know, write a $100 million check into Rosemont Real Estate Acquisition Fund too. <laughs> so that never, we never had another discussion about that. Um, and I, you know, the next day, maybe 48 hours later, uh, Kwasniewski and Vadim, who's the corporate secretary, was not at the first meeting, but he was in New York you know, a couple of years back. Kwasniewski calls me says, you want to come to Warsaw? I want to, you know, tell you about Burisma. And I kind of had a hint, but I didn't have a pure picture. It was the president of Poland. It was the president of Poland, yeah. Yeah, so it was, again, it was, you know. So you're just, you happen to be over there trying to raise money for a real estate <laughs> yes, fund. exactly. I was I was there for a, for a big strategic closing that got, that got completely blown up by blown world up by events. Blown. Exactly, by world events. So you're over there to raise money for your real estate fund. Correct from the guy from Burisma, because he's just a rich guy looking to diversify. They make a ton of money right. selling natural gas and they want to invest it. Right. He's not interested in your pitch. And he says, by the way, since you're here, I'd like you to talk to the president of Poland. Yes. Who then calls you. Yes, yes. It was coordinated by Vadim, but yes, eventually we somehow got you know, connected on WhatsApp. And yes, calls me, invites me to Poland. I was on a plane, I was on a, a lot flight from, or whatever the airline, what the airline's called, uh, I think it's La. Um, from JFK within a couple days. And I flew directly to Warsaw for 36 hours, sat down with Kwasniewski and he said, listen, we've got a great opportunity, energy independence for Ukraine. Uh, this company, Burisma, I joined the board. Um, there's a, you know, we've looked at your profile. I know, you, you know, you've got Rosemont. We, you can raise, and, and the, the, the idea was to raise ca outside capital for Burisma. So they were like, come join the board. It's a very high paying opportunity. Um, it wasn't, you know, we weren't, we didn't talk details on that in that particular meeting, but he's like, trust me. And there's, there's a chance to build an equity position in this business. And this could be, you know, the next Exxon of Ukraine or whatever. I think yeah. there's, there's some, some discovery emails that talk about that. Yeah. So, well, why wouldn't it have been? I mean, it was a, it was right, a real was, company. Exactly. Real company, incredible management team, you know, new age equipment. Uh, but why you? Why me? Cause I was, I was a bereaver. <laughs> You're a true bereaver, huh? I was a bereaver. No, why me? <laughs> it was no, it's just interesting because you, I mean, you're raising money for a real estate fund, but then the guy from the natural gas company says, talk to the president of Poland about joining the board of our natural gas company. Right. You know, was, was Hunter Biden mentioned at all? Hunter Biden was not mentioned, though. I mean, I can't deny that they did some research about Rosemont Seneca partners, but because it just seems uh, like it was not mentioned. It was not mentioned to me. It's a little. I mean, you sound like a very capable business operator, um, but not someone who specializes in the in the energy sector. No, I've had I've had a diverse portfolio. Right. Well, now now you know a lot about now energy. I do, yeah. yeah, but then right. Agreed. Agreed. I had one energy investment that we had we had made in Texas, but that's true. I was not. I've certainly not by any stretch of the imagination, an expert in you know, excavating natural gas. Right, but the Still. president of Poland is asking you to yes. jump the port. I mean, by the way, lots of weird things happen in life, but I just kind of suspect that maybe they were, this was all about getting Hunter Biden involved. You know, I, I, I actually, I, do, I think that they saw an opportunity to raise, I think that they thought that I was close enough to political powers that, that I don't think that was their initial intention, to be completely honest. I don't think they were like, I was a mark that they identified and then found Hunter. I think it was a little bit more natural than that. And at the end of the day, you know, similar to kind of what happened in my fate that, you know, be careful what you wish for.
Yeah. So how did he get involved? How so did he get he, so it was it, so it was as you as you go you know go on with the progression of the story. So I he's obviously a partner. And we're we're always looking to you know incent each other and include each other in in in, in opportunity you know in, in each of our opportunities. And what happened was I came back. I joined the board, or I started the process of joining the board. I, I did join the board. I think I was on the board in in March of that year of 2014. It was probably my first first month there. And then I came back, and Hunter was was of counsel. Um, and so what I did is I brought I brought uh, uh, him on board, at, you know, as counsel to legally represent the company and help them, and you know, basically uh, um, have a a firm in D.C. that would look out for their best interests, or you know, kind of their you know any kind of geopolitical <laughs> I'm sorry I, I'm calling bullshit on just this one thing okay so this is a city filled with law firms yes. where every yeah but Hunter was my partner I know I know I'm just saying like this is a city where the number one job for a college educated Caucasian man is lawyer at a firm right exactly right and a lot of those firms deal with you know, yes. foreign transactions yes. and business and whatever Hunter Biden doesn't have actually like a meaningful history as a as a practicing attorney I mean, no like, no he's always been, he's been right. in the kind of lobbying world so i mean that's an influence play right there yeah well yeah i think well also i think the firm that he's with counsel was was prominent and had a you know had a large business in lobbying so i think right. you know i think uh it made sense and it was also incenting a business partner of ours and it was a business partner of mine i think it was yeah you know it it, it was it made all the logic in the world and i think if it stayed like that it would have been you know, a little history. <laughs> history would have been very different. <laughs> history would have been. So, how different. did he wind up on the board of Burisma? So, what happened was we quickly developed. They, we brought a t there was a team that, from Burisma that came in to DC, did some meetings. Um, you know, there was a, a kind of a lead practitioner on the law side that was brought in to be like the. You know, Hunter was a relationship manager, relationship manager, and then there was like a lead for what things that needed to be done. We needed to lobby. Is for relationship manager is, is that like a business card title? That it, well, it's it's generally like of counsel at these law firms. Or it's to make introductions. Yeah, of course. I just love I that want phrase. One of those. I should have gone to law school. <laughs> I aspire to be that. <laughs> no, it's it's so good big if you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so no, th this is a natural progression. So we hire, and then, so you know, a month or two goes by. We're at an economic conference in Italy, Lake Como, at the which was nice, um, beautiful or, hotel. Or if I can say, oh, as, yes. as your friend. Vadim calls it in a letter I want to ask you about in a minute that we got. It was May of 2014. Following our talks during the visit to the Como Lake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the Como Lake. Exactly. Lake, yeah, Lake Como. Absolutely. It was, it was gorgeous, gorgeous weather, and it was May of yes. 2014. Um, and so, you know, that trip in D.C., to Vadim had been on that trip. I forget if there was other executives there um, meeting at the law firm in the conference center. Or large conference room and got a lot done and you know seemed to be off to a good start. Uh, they visited us. Vadim and Nikolai visited us at uh, the Villa Deste at this economic conference, um, and they struck. And Hunter, uh, you know, was was of you know the relationship manager at the time of counsel, and they you know kind of struck up a conversation. And Kwasniewski um, was not there, but on WhatsApp and kind of in the conversation. And I think. You know, similar to what, as opposed to like me being a mark and an orchestrated effort to get Hunter on board, I yeah. think they all of a sudden saw, you know, the what 
you know what I what I what I the relationship that I brought yes. by doing this and thought wait we can go a step further we got the president of Poland we've got this you know a couple of finance guys on the board we've got a couple of uh, Ukrainians and Cypriots for regulatory reasons in those you know in those domiciles and if and we can get the son of the vice president on the board and you know they saw that opportunity and they made the offer and um, I think uh, at at. The meeting in Lake Como. At the meeting in Lake, yes. So that's fast. I was, not, that's... I was not at that meeting, but it was a meeting that was done in a sidebar that and the idea came back, and I think a month later it was... So what's so interesting, so here's this letter that I referred to at sure. the Como Lake. Uh, and it's May 12th, 2014, 8.29 uh, a.m., and this is from Vadim Pozharsky to you and Hunter, and he goes on, and it's kind of complicated. Uh, about what he's talking about corruption in Ukraine, but he gets here. He says, we urgently need, urgently need your advice on how you could use your influence to convey a message, signal, et cetera, to stop what we consider to be politically motivated actions, et cetera. And that's from Vadim. So right. they, they figured it out right away. Absolutely. Yes. The, 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 the term signal in every other kind of market or theater or whatever you want to describe, it, it's like a pretty, um, it's a well-used term. So signal, like like the U.S. Is, doesn't use it, but it's a very common term to send signals between government and business because government can always shut you down. It's almost like right. the, you know, the the shakedown kind of. It's I, I try to equate equate it something, but you always want to be sending positive signals from that regulatory body, i.e., the government, to the business that you're not going to be shut down. Right. And so I think. They're using in in you know common term to them and sending back here to us and say you know like oh I hope we're protected kind of thing that's that's the, the term signal well you just flat yeah. out, you well, just flat flat out, out says yeah, it yeah, exactly. we urgently need your advice on how you can use your influence right right so um, and that's all kind of again just for context it's pretty conventional yeah I mean I think that's what lobbying firms are for yes but then comes the question of General Shokan. The prosecutor. Right. Tell us that's that seems to me that's when it gets heavy. Right. Okay. So what was that? So Shokin was the that he and I, I'm gonna get the dates wrong, but Shokin was the uh he was the prosecutor, the head prosecutor in Ukraine. Um and he was taking a close look at Barisa. So maybe not so different from an attorney general. Right. Right. And and uh but he was taking but much more case active, I think. Right. An attorney general is more of like a manager of right. people that handle cases and they have their independence. This but this is guy's like, the law. He's like the law, yeah. So the buck stops with him. Hence, the signals are more important yes. countries outside the United States. Uh, so Shokin is taking a close look at uh, a close look at Burisma. Um, there were allegations that some of the, um, you know, some of the the deposits or some of the, some of the reserves were not you know, authentically got, you know, authentically acquired or whatever it may yes. be. And so those were like the, I think that was the genesis of the, uh, the complaints. And there was always, there were always, you know, being in Ukraine and being in that part of the world, there was always kind of challenges that they were facing, you know, they're, they're from, from not being able to get a visa to money being tied up in London. And this was just another, you know, in a series of, um, of issues that, that law firms and, and strategic advisory firms were hired for to you know to handle these kind of things, right? Yeah. So um, the Shokin the Shokin case was he was taking a look at Burisma, and there was a big push by European leaders, the Atlantic Council, et cetera, et cetera, um, to 
to fire Shokin because he was corrupt. Like it's it's hard to kind of decipher who's you know it's all. Can I just ask you just yeah. sidebar like why would the Atlantic Council be getting involved they have, in Shokin? Well, I, I hear. I mean that's yeah. I mean I think I think I don't know I don't know on the Shokin piece. I mean again I mean I this was, is the lead prosecutor in Ukraine, right? So if Ukraine is actually a country with sovereignty and not just a colony of say the neocons in the United States, like why wouldn't they just let Ukraine deal with their own? Like why would why would Western powers even get involved in who the chief prosecutor in Ukraine is? I, that's a question that I don't know. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't control myself. So, but within, within Burisma, right. this Shokin was considered a threat to your business. Office. Shokin was considered, because Shokin was considered a threat to the business. I think any, anyone in, again, you got to get the signals to the government. I think anyone in government was always a threat and always trying to shake down these businesses that were highly successful and, yeah. and enriching the, the owners and the, and the, and the staff and the board. And, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so at the end of the day, Shokin was taking a look. And, I, and again, if I, I wasn't involved in, in Shokin or any of this, but he was a threat. He ended up seizing assets of, of uh, Nikolai, a house, some cars, a couple properties. And, and um, Nikolai actually never went back to Ukraine after Shokin seized all of his assets. Um, and the case was, I mean, the, and obviously this is all out there. The case was that Shokin, there was all this pressure to fire Shokin from this, you know, the larger community, and then he was fired, and then somehow Burisma was let off the hook. I mean, that's that's what the what story was. was um, and Joe Biden, of course, was the driving force behind his firing. Yeah, he was he was he was involved in that. There's obviously video involved. I mean, Biden yeah. bragged at Council on Foreign Relations. You know, they had a billion yeah. dollars coming from IMF, and I said. If you don't fire this man, you're not getting a billion dollars. Right, right. Um, but it's it's you know I think on this one it's it's it certainly wasn't made clear to us at the board level, you know that that was a that there was any any uh, um, that that was a favor to be done. The narrative, I don't know the narrative, and I don't want to you know I don't want to lead anyone down that kind of path that that's what well, that's what happened because i don't know there because but of, joe biden knew that his son was on the board of this company that was being hassled by the prosecutor whose firing he was calling for right yeah um and this took place three years after he sent you a letter saying thanks for all the work you're doing with hunter so like clearly he would know this would benefit the family Right, I don't, and I, I don't want to get it, but the narrative was that that it, Shokin was already taken care of. That was the popular narrative. That's the only thing that I that he was already on his yeah, way out. Exactly, that was the narrative that was fed to the board. Okay, so you were told when Shokin got fired that like it had nothing to do with. No, that. we were told that that was bad, and we don't want a new prosecutor. Shokin was taken care of. So it's very, I mean, this is not like, you know, checkers, multiple dimensions here, <laughs> you know, so, so a popular. This is like Connect Four. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, no, I think it's, I think in this particular case, it's pretty, it's pretty high stakes and pretty sophisticated. So the narrative that I was told was that, that's just, you know, I've, I've said it under oath and I'll say it again. That was the narrative. That was the narrative. Um, did you ever, were you aware do you have knowledge that Hunter spoke to his dad about Burisma? Do I have knowledge? Yes. That... Do you know that Hunter spoke to his dad about Burisma? Did you ever see them talk about it, hear them talk about it? Was Joe never, Biden... No, I don't have knowledge of that, though I'd assume it. You would assume it. Right. I would assume it in, in a general sense of travel. 
and that kind of thing. But but on you know like I've I, you know I've told a lot of people um, in the past there was there was not business content conversations. It was the the idea of signals and influence. The prize is enough in in speaking or hearing or knowing that you have that proximity to power. No one is so unsophisticated that's been in politics for 50 years right. that Hunter is going to talk about, you know, uh, the last quarter's, uh, you know, how many billion cubic meters of gas we pumped out of the ground. Right. So it's just, I think a lot of the narrative gets caught up on, you know, uh, you know, over speculation of these conspiracy theories that are just not true. I think the, that's not the way it actually It just works. doesn't work like that. So it's enough to be sitting in a meal at Lake Como with your new Ukrainian friends and why wow, your dad happens to call, let's put him on speaker. That would be, that, that's, I think that's, 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 that's enough. That's the most, you know, the second most powerful man in the world. It's just how, how the world works. So there's been a lot of effort on the part of Republicans to prove money transfers from Hunter to Joe. Right. Um, and then there's the other brother, Jimmy, who I'm going to ask about in a minute. Um, but, and, and so far there, there's, there's, there are hints of it, but there, we haven't right. seen the direct transfer. But did you ever wonder when you were in the Biden orbit, like, how do they live so well? I mean, the Bidens, Hunter grew up at a huge house in Wilmington. The family had this very expensive beach house. And like, how do you do that on a politician's salary? We don't pay our politicians very much. Well, I think Hunter had a successful lobbying and advisory business. Sure, but these are his dad's houses. Right. Like, how does that, how does that, did you ever wonder, like, how, how do you do that? Well, they, you know, at that, that question, I, I really only was under the kind of tenure at the Naval Observatory. <laughs> so, so I knew the government was paying, we were paying for it. Yeah. Tax no, there. of course, but like they had these other houses. Yeah, I, I never, I, I, the only, I was at Bo's house, I was at Hunter's house, um, but those, those were the houses. So it was, that was, that was, ne- that was not a, uh, that was not something that I often thought about, put it that way. Okay. It's just interesting because you're coming from a non-political world on Long Island, yeah. middle-class world, and you wind up in, you know, around all these high flyers. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, And I, some of them, but don't have business jobs. They have political jobs, but they're living really, really well. Yeah. I, th- I thought the cost of living was lower than what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't, it is, it is pretty remarkable. It's, it's be- pretty beautiful weird, right? suburban place to live. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think the, again, the, the money that's thrown around DC is, is significant. I mean, as far as lobbying contracts and legal contracts and all of the, you know, the, the bills that go out. And I mean, it's there. There's money flow. I mean, it certainly is. But it sticks to the people who live there. Like the money is right. supposed to go out to the whole continent. Right. Yeah. That's a, a bigger discussion. Doesn't. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so when Shok- when Biden yeah. called for Shokin to be fired. Right. Very publicly and then got it done. Like, bam. Right. What did you think? Again, the narrative, this has been, they've tried to beat this into my head a million times because it, because it does work on paper um, as yeah. far as the, you know, the logical steps. But we were told that Shokin had already been taken care, you know, that he was under control and that this is going to be a whole big problem for Burisma now. That yeah, it's a know, huge problem. Because Shokin, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That I just, <laughs> the guy was going to shut our know, business down and just got fired. Oh, no. <laughs> It's just what it was. It was kind of pounded into our heads. Obviously, as I look back in the rearview, yeah. it's it was uh, it doesn't it doesn't paper as well. But it but it you know it looks like there was some some. Something. I'm asking you because you said at the outset mm-hmm. 
that, well, first of all, that you liked Hunter. Absolutely. Who was a yeah. very likable, I can attest personally, a very likable guy. Absolutely. And, um, and, but that you thought it was, you know, useful. He knows his way around Washington. His dad's you know, vice president of the United States, all this stuff. It's all good. But that there was the Icarus problem. Right. That, like, if you use those contexts too much, maybe it hurts you. Maybe Absolutely. you get burned by it. Did you feel that when Shokin got fired, like, ooh, maybe this is a little bit... No. A little close to the sun here. <laughs> no, on that, on that one, I just was kind of... Listen, I was... I was... I was... Uh, I was... I was... I was believing the narrative because we were in where I felt the Icarus was when he got right when he announced we were in Doha uh when as they, one is as was as one is running around with some of the royal family at another conference and uh um you know part of the benefits of actually doing the Rosemont Seneca partnership that you know you're getting access in these meetings anyway long story short we're in Doha and they release some picture on the website that Hunter had joined the board and that was kind of my, that was like the tipping point where Icarus had arrived a little too close to the sun. Yeah. And the rest, you know, and the rest of my story has, you know, been a uh, slow downward. Yeah. The trajectory, <laughs> the trajectory changed at that point. It was a, whoa, like this, exactly. That was really, that was the Icarus moment. Um, when I saw that release and I saw, we, it was, was the middle it of the night. Burisma that had released that? Burisma released it, didn't tell us. And, um, and it was like the most Googled news story like in the world for 18 hours. And yeah. I was like, this is going to be a different Well, because world. to a civilian, you're thinking, okay, huge, super lucrative Eastern European right. natural I, I gas company, incredible. sort of semi-employed kind of lawyer lobbyist from D.C. Like, what is he doing on their board? Like, it just seemed... Right. Yeah. 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 And then and that it really, at the time, I was... Yeah, not, I didn't have, you know, I, we didn't calculate the risk appropriately. And the rest was, the rest is history. So whether or not Hunter convinced his dad to come out against Shokan, and there's debate. Right. It was very clear that the Burisma guys were hoping to leverage Hunter's relationship with the vice president, his father. Yes. At one point, they told Hunter to, quote, call his dad. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think referencing the email that you 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 put earlier, there was constant pressure to uh, to send signals um, to leverage all of his ins- you know his dad included, but the Biden brand, all of the you know the 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 DC insider and relationships to help Barisma survive. I think that's the you know at the end of the day what we're talking about. I mean, that was that was the that's idea. That's what he brought. That's that, that it was it was the that ability to help on the geopolitical stage, keep them out of trouble, keep them out of investigations, unfreeze assets, unsuccessfully, you know, unfreeze visas, and uh, you know, the first challenge, which was like a there was a, a twenty-three million pound account that was released to Burisma because of alleged non-cooperation by the prosecutor. I don't know if Shokin or the guy before that, but that was successful. And I think- Did Hunter help with that? I, the, the perception of him being on the board probably uh, provided a halo that, that helped with that, but no active, you know, there was no active- But they were not consulting him on like pipeline construction or wellhead design. No, 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 no. It was, it was you know, hiring lobbyists and law firms to to uh, and and various like NGOs to, you know, help uh, clear the path from 
you know, regulatory uh, yeah. roadblocks at the end of the day. When they asked him to call his dad, did he? Um, he, I was not privy to the conversation directly, but they've asked, you know, that was, you know, Vadim met with his dad at, at uh, dinner, at dinner at Cafe Milano, a famous dinner at Cafe Milano. Um, so, you know, I, I did not listen to a particular call where they spoke, but I know that the request was made by Vadim a lot. What did Vadim say to the vice president at that dinner at Cafe Milano? At dinner was, you know, politics. I think there was a world food program element, weather, nothing specific to Burisma. But the idea was by having that relationship and by saying, I met with the vice president in Washington, that gives him yes. SWAT. Yeah, I think at the end of the, that, that's the, you know, the, the prize or the, you know, being able to have, whether it's on, you know, speakerphone or in person to, to have, you know, that person in direct contact, whether you're talking about, you know, weather or, you know, you know, politics or what have you, that that's the important part. I don't think, you know, there's no relevance in, in asking, you know, the vice president about, you know, the, the gas, you know, right. Revenues or anything. It's like that. It was never, it's enough. It's, it, and the, the prize is, is that, that contact and that access to power. How, what, what was the payment like from Burisma? Like what did Hunter um, get? I mean, he yeah, famously it was, made it was eighty three thousand uh, a month. It was eighty. Yeah, the, there was it was taken into a company. It was two eighty three. Like the contracts were around board seats, um, and then the the kind of scope of work was him on the governance side, as we've talked about. Um, and I was in you know first to raise capital, but then after the Doha you know Google situation where they announced him on the board, you know raising outside capital was out. Um, so it, be, it became uh, international expansion. So the payment was uh, $2 million a year to one of our LLCs. Um, there were other business activities that happened in that. We had to pay some of the cap intro guys um, that introduced us initially through the Rosemont Realty. So he, you know, the, the payments were, and I think it's, you know, it's incredibly well documented. Initially, it was about six, $700,000 a year. It it built to about a million, and then it was, I think, less for the the, less, the rest of his tenure. The second his father left the VP's office, it went down. I think that was. I think that happened. You think that? Happened? <laughs> I think that. I, I was. I was long out of it by then, but I think. Uh, so what about, I've been told that. What happened. about gifts? And this is a part of the world where people give gifts, right? And those gifts are a kind of non-taxable payment. You could argue. You could argue. You could argue. Uh, were there gifts? Uh, there were. There was. Yeah, there were some birth, birthday gifts. A watch. Watch. A watch. Just Timex kind of watch or? No. <laughs> what was the watch? I believe it was a, a Hubolt. A Hubolt. I'm, I'm not actually sure. I shouldn't even say that. But I, I don't know. But I know there's a birthday gift. I've also been refreshed in my memory through <laughs> the series of <laughs> documents that have been put in front of Yeah. Through your testimony to the Congress. <laughs> was, it might have been. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so a, a watch like that would cost like ballpark? You know, fifty to $100,000. Yeah. So a real gift. A real gift. Meaningful. So you're working in Ukraine and just from based on our mm -hmm. off-camera conversations, yeah. we're actually interested in the business. Absolutely. And um, it's kind of an interesting business, actually. It powers the world. So right. Yeah, it powers the world. And meaningful a, business. Yep. Um, in your time in Ukraine, did you notice a lot of Americans running around from Washington exerting influence over there? There, there. I, you know what? I think obviously it's a, it's an important part of the world. I think for different factions of, uh, you know, 
<laughs> different, different opposing east-west types of views. So yes, there were a lot of Americans lobbying USAID, uh, you know, State Department officials. There were a lot of Americans kind of Because the picture you paint, does, it doesn't sound like a sovereign country. It, it really does seem like a protectorate or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there, I wouldn't, and the protectorate might be, might be a, an overstep, but yes, there is a lot of interest in Ukraine and who controls Ukraine. Um, and that's a, you know, it's a geopolitical conversation. That Did you ever see Tori and Newland there? Uh, I, you know, I, we, we definitely, I did, I never saw her in person, but she was definitely, I think that was her, in her scope, in her theater. Did um, she have a lot of influence in Ukraine? Was she did. Yeah, she did. She was, uh, it, we were, con it was constantly trying to curry favor with her. She was, uh, she was, she was one that, that, you know, you wanted on your good side, as I remember. I don't remember the specifics, whether it was, you know, there were some, there were some issues with some, one of the ambassadors mentioned Burisma as, uh, Burisma as corrupt at some point. And that was a big thing. And there was like a big effort to try and redact that. I think there was some lobbying done to her or with her or, or uh, but Did that, it get that, done? No, obviously Burisma, <laughs> I think Nikolai, who, who, you know, came to New York and ate a cat's deli back in 2012, looking at the real estate pitch, ended up in Cyprus. I think he's still, still yeah. there. So no, no, nothing, nothing ever worked with that though. I do believe that, you know, at the end of the day, Burisma wouldn't have stayed in business so long. Uh, you know, if, uh, you know, if, if Hunter was not on the board. So they got, they their, got some their years. money back. I think they got some years. Why did you leave? Uh, I left, uh, in something completely unrelated, uh, okay. Oh, you got in trouble with another company. Correct. Exactly. Um, and so you got off the board, but Hunter yep. stayed on. Hunter stayed on. Yeah. How long did you remain in business with him? Um, after we had the issue with, with that other company, I was, it was, uh, I was no longer in business with him, with him. I was friendly. We were, we were, you know, retained a friendship for a couple of years. And then, uh, and then there was, it's, it's complicated. I can't talk about it cause it's not right. a case, but there was a, there was a, there was a, um, uh, a reversal of a conviction. And then there was a, uh, you know, subsequently that the reversal of commission was re-reversed. And after the re-reversal, we kind of never spoke again. For legal reasons or was there enmity between It was you? just, no, no, absolutely no. There, there's, uh, you know, again, looking back at the body of work, it was, you know, a very big strategic mistake for me to, you know, be involved with him. And, and some of it was my fault because quite frankly, I, I was pitching Burisma Rosemont Realty and, and yeah. that ended up you know, that, that the genesis, that was me, but obviously the trajectory of my life would have been far different um, and arguably far better if I've never met him. And you didn't make that much money from no. Burisma? No, I was, I think it was, I mean, relative to the world, yes, it was a lot of money. Um, relative to my middle-class upbringing, it was a ton of money, um, but it wasn't life-changing money and it was quickly exhausted on legal bills. Yeah. Um, so how, if you, what's interesting in this conversation is you're very sympathetic to Hunter Biden, the person, like you like him, you used to right. say you like him. Absolutely. You His children, I mean, I've been to their lacrosse games there. Yeah. So it's a good family and, and they, you know, they're, uh, you know, they've got a great relationship, father and son speak every day. I witnessed that for 10 years. So, and you're not, I mean, you work for John Kerry for president, so right. you're obviously not right. a partisan. Right, a volunteer. But. Yeah, but you're not a partisan actor. I think it's fair to say you're not no, grinding not political acts. Absolutely not. Uh, here. How have you been treated by, Dem well, you obviously are a Democrat or were a Democrat most of your life anyway. Well, I, I 
I was never registered Democrat. I was registered independent, but just for the record. But um, I uh, have been treated by, I, you know, it, the, the treatment seems to be the, the, the treatment of just getting out ahead of this and speaking the truth and just, you know, re, retelling my story um, that a lot of people seem to be interested. A lot of the negativity seems to come anonymously. Um, you know, obviously there's murmurs of, of, you know, different folks saying different things, but, you know, the threats and stuff like that seem to come from whether they're AI bots or, you know, people in a basement in Cleveland, not to pick on Cleveland, but it, Probably you know, Cleveland, it, though, yeah. it might be, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I can't kind of pinpoint it, but it is definitely a, uh, a, a bit of a scary time. Um, the reaction to what you've said in public, to what you said to the committee mm -hmm. on the Hill, um, and doubtless to what you're, you've been telling us in this interview, is that like, there's no corruption here at all. This is totally normal. Joe Biden had no role whatsoever in, uh, in his son's business or knowledge of it. But right. How would, I mean, that seems false. Yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's categorically false. I think that what, what the, he was aware of Hunter's business. He met with Hunter's business partners. He, I mean, you found a letter that, that illustrates that he knew me and I he's thanking you. <laughs> he's thanking you for so, his efforts. So I think that was, for, yeah, I think for your it's a, efforts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think that a, that's a, um, you know, that's that's not factually right, you know. But at the and in the same breath, there is no, you know, there's no. I don't think Joe Biden's looked at a balance sheet or a, you know, uh, a, a cap table or what have you or any financial document, probably ever. Yeah. Um, so there done was pretty a, well for not looking at. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. So, who's Jimmy Biden? His brother. Jimmy Biden, his brother, um, is that's Joe, the president's brother. Yeah. Um, and he really picked up, you know, post my, uh, you know, issues, um, and worked with him, you know, in, in business that business that he got into in China and Romania, kind of after my tenure with the Rosemont Seneca Partners. But he was, he, I think, he, I, he probably filled a vo some void of you know, companionship and, you know, business companionship, um, you know, in the, in the years after I was, you know, basically. Did you ever spend time with him? Not a lot. I, you know, three or four times, three or four times. So he ran, um, there's not a lot written about him. He ran a nightclub, uh, for a while in Wilmington, that. I think that went under. Mm -hmm. Um, but was it your sense that he had a high degree of business acumen? Um, I, he was, he was always willing to, I did, I, he was always willing, I have no real opinion about Jimmy, quite frankly. I, I know he likes Diet Mountain Dew. That's, that's Diet about, Mountain Dew. Yeah, I'm a big, big Diet Mountain Dew guy. But, um, yeah, I did, I never did a business deal with him. Uh-huh. Uh, I socially interacted with him at a very few occasions. But did you think it's a little weird? So here's, here's Hunter <laughs> Biden and here's the brother Jimmy with right. the Diet Mountain Dew. Like, what is this exactly? This Biden brand? What is the business? Uh, what is the, you know, as a whole? I mean, yeah, it's, what it's, is the business? It's a diverse portfolio <laughs> of, <laughs> of opportunity. <laughs> it's a diverse portfolio of opportunity. Yes. Hunter and Jimmy. Well, obviously, I mean, you've seen the, you know, again, I, I keep referring to the, the rear view mirror. I mean, the, the portfolio has, you know, exhausted and yeah. you know, Hunter's on to, to better things. So, yeah. Um, well, he's, a, he's an artist. He is an artist. Yes. And I'm not gonna offer any reviews of his uh, his work, but I just have to ask: like in the many years that you spent, the ten years you spent with him, did he evidence any interest in painting? 
Uh, not, no, not particularly. But he was, he was very, you know, he was a very well-read um, student of history. So he, he was far more interested in, you know, uh, art, I wouldn't say artistic ventures, but certainly not painting. That was a surprise. It was a surprise. Yeah, it was a surprise. What is that? I mean, I think that after looking at the portfolio of our experiences, yes. I, I might do the same thing. You might do the same Because, I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, it's a, that's a long haul. For sure. Covered and, with tragedy and, yes. you know, addiction. And then going through all that, I think you just have to have a reset. Uh, that makes sense to me. Getting $500,000 for your paintings, like six months after you start painting, seems a little weird. No, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an. I mean, I do have some art, art artists in my family. I wish my grandfather got yeah. that, but yeah, no, it's that's. Do uh, you good think for him. if I mean your life has also taken you know ups yeah. and downs and right twists and turns you didn't expect? Um, if you decided like in six months to start painting, do you think that you could get five hundred grand a painting? Uh, I don't. It depends on how this show goes. <laughs> Do you think that's uh, one of the uh, opportunities open to you in your diverse portfolio? <laughs> that's really why I'm here. <laughs> to pitch your painting. Exactly. So I'm starting. A, a lot since the laptop came out. Um, what do you think of that, by the way? The, the laptop. laptop? Yeah. Were you shocked by that? That was, uh, that was, a, that was not great. Yeah, that was a, obviously I'm... Oh, not great? That's in the not great category? <laughs> this is not great. Great. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was, that was a real bummer, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the not great category. What did I think about it? I mean, it was absolute, it was an absolute shock that's perpetuated this, you know, kind of nightmare that I've been living for the last Did he call you when that came out? When the lap, no. Yeah. No, he did not. Ooh. No. Because you're obviously on it. Yeah, no, extensively. Yeah. Yes. Not visually, but. Right. <laughs> not a single naked picture of you in that laptop. There is not. I wish, which is. Um, the, yeah, all over it. And it's just le you know, led to you know, just incessant and never-ending media fodder that brings me back in. And uh, Last question. A lot has been written about his drug and alcohol problems. Mm -hmm. And the laptop is a, you know, is, a, is a visual record of those. Right. Um, how did they affect your relationship with him? Well, you know, it was, uh, he was, for the initial part of our, you know, the tenure of our relationship and business partnership, it was, um, he was, he was sober. So there was no, uh, there wasn't a part of our, uh, you know, it wasn't part of our relationship. And then I think there's some, you know, some tragedy that, that fell upon him with his brother and, um, you know, coming from an early past of tragedy, uh, you know, things got hard mentally, um, and he slipped back in and obviously that, created, you know, some, some chaos, but that, that was, you know, created less effective kind of business decisions. Now, Burisma was already started. So that, 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 that moment, that tipping point had already happened at the end of the day where, where the downhill spiral, spiral started. And I think a lot of those pressures of the media also contributed to it. Um, but you're tethered to this guy in business, right? And then he yes. starts to fall apart. Right. And it was not, yes, it was not a, you know, he was made, he made a lot of efforts to, you know, to repair and go to rehab and, and get better. And then I, you know, again, through another business that we're involved in was, was kind of taken out. And, and then, so I didn't really, I didn't go through the, the actual kind of 
full downward spiral and then rebirth. Only you said from you afar. were taken out. Do you think you were taken out? No, I, I, I just I can't comment on that. Huh. It's an ongoing case. So. Probably not out of the realm of possibility. One suspects. Uh, Devin Archer, thank you for spending all this time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Younger people say the news is full of lies. Kennedy's motorcade. Two hundred and thirty-nine people. Death of Jeffrey Epstein.